0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Human Behaviour Show. Today's episode is going to be super interesting because we're going to be joined by Rahma, who is a relationship coach. So we'll be talking about all things relationships and how relationship coaching can help you improve your relationship and also find the right match. So stay tuned with Rahma joining us. This will be available on Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify super excited for this. So, um, we'll kick things off and would love feedback for the shows we've had. We're moving pretty quickly. This episode number 22, um, and been really enjoying doing this live on calling app and hope for this to continue. So let me just ping in Rahma and then we'll get started. Being a founder of a relationship app, I find it really, really interesting. Um, how relationship coaching gets overlooked from a lot of these apps. And I almost think, having been doing this now for a year, that we should all have a relationship coach or have access to one because there's so many things we can do to improve our relationship
1: in terms of communication, in terms of understanding things like love languages and attachment styles. And I look forward to diving in to all of this in the episode with Rahma. Um, Emily and my startup, we're trying to look at relationship wellness and we're really trying to change how people perceive perceive relationships. Because I know relationships have a massive impact on your mental health, being a medical doctor, and how we must think of relationships as a pillar of health alongside sleep, nutrition, exercise management. So for me, it's to be Looking at relationship coaching and eventually we want to avoid or provide relationship coaches to our users on our app. And that is one of the long-term visions I have with um, Amelie as we move forward. Um, and coaching of all kinds can be something that really depends on the coach. I've worked for some companies including Sleep Coaching and Coaching clients on sleep, I see how important it is to help that behavior change. We use techniques such as motivational interviewing to help people work out what their struggles might be and what they can do to help improve um, aspects of their life. Um, so that's a lot about my running with coaching. And um, I know coaching can get a bad... Rep. sometimes, people who think that coaches aren't needed. Um, but if you talk to some of the top CEOs and executives, they all do have coaches and they help them master skills. They help them stay accountable. And that's why coaching becomes really important. And that's something um, where my startup, I've looked at the many startups like Future Coaching, and they have had tremendous results. Other companies I'm interested in, like Noom, in terms of weight loss, has become a really big company, also focusing on coaching. And then in the mental health side of things, we look to professionals like counselors and psychologists, and they can sometimes act as a coach, mental health coach, where you can check in, you can talk through your problems, and then you come to a solution or an answer. And You can be skeptical before you try coaching, but if you get the right coach, I call it person coach fit, almost like we have in tech product market fit. If you get the right coach, you can stop problems before they become too big. You can work through your own demons. You can help navigate processes that may not be working in your favor. And that's why coaching and really important when you come to any domain, speakers, um, we know in sports, coaches become very, very important. Um, and in a lot of fields, um, the top, top coaches are just phenomenal how they think through things. And one of the sports I like to look at is, it's football or, or even boxing. And you see the big part a coach plays in motivating and providing discipline to the athlete. And how they have to almost micromanage you to help you reach that new level. And that's something that becomes really prominent from from the best to just not good enough, right? There's, a, there's, a, there's like fine margins when it comes to sports. So getting back on the topic of relationships, um, in your relationships, there will always be um, ups and downs. There will always be difficulties. And a relationship coach will be there to help you and guide you through those difficult periods and help you think through aspects of your relationship. Um, so that's kind of what I want to focus in with with Rahma today as she joins us. And then we'll look to explore what we've learned from um, our time being on, you know, doing some of the content we've done on other platforms and, and what we've learned from users and people who've come and shared and, and Rahma's run some interesting sessions on relationship, relationship wellness. And um, that's what um, we've been on this journey for. And we're looking to kind of really help people navigate their relationships because tech alone often, you know, I'm a big fan. Fan of tech, um, so people say that things like AI, artificial intelligence. Will that mean that coaching isn't needed? Or will we be tech only in terms of our, you know, coaching? But what we found is coaching is best when it's an element of tech, data, wearables, combined with coaching, combined with that human element, and that's the skill that coaches possess. And when you get that right, that balance between tech and coaching that's when you know you're onto something that can be a success. And I've seen that with startups over the last few years. The companies that have got that right have got the human element combined with the tech piece right have really blossomed. And one institute I like to look at is the Gottman Institute, which talks a lot about relationship science. And we've drawn a lot. So that's where... I see, the coaching really blossoming, and, and the need for coaching. So we have Rahma with us, and Rahma, welcome to Human Behaviour Show. We're really happy to have you here. Can you tell everyone a bit of an introduction of yourself and um, why you got interested in relationship coaching?
2: Hello, um, you know that's that's uh, like asking why I like
1: food. <laughs> True. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, no, ever since I was a little girl, I had this natural interest in watching other people in their relationships, especially during their issues. I'd sit there and try to reflect who here is, you know, in the wrong, or is it both of them? Is it one of them? Um, and that interest sort of made me grow up into forming this love, you know, in love, um, made me fall in love with just love and people and behavior and, um, you know, emotional intelligence, you know, everything under that one umbrella. Um, so yeah, it, it was just kind of something that I started being interested in at a younger age. And I sort of became like the family go-to girl for for love and lo- love advice, even if I was beyond younger than than the adults in the family at the time. And I think I have the credibility now amongst my family and friends after years of offering free therapy.
1: <laughs> I know. I think, yeah. I mean, you you seem pretty passionate about it. And we've done, obviously, shows together. And a lot of people found what you say very useful so tell us, what is relationship coaching and what does it involve?
2: Uh, you could use both, relationship coaching, love coach. Um, basically, it just consists of anyone who needs some help, advice, wisdom, experience, a push, you know, in their love life or lack thereof. That's a... Shorter and more simpler way to put it.
1: Yeah, I like that definition, actually. And what kind of things have people come to you about in relationships? Or do you think are uh, some of the difficulties and uh, when it comes to a relationship?
2: Oh, so many. Um, wh- where should I start? <laughs> As we all know, there's just so much, you know, that pertains to the success of a relationship and you know, uh, if you, y- you know, if you've experienced one that it requires a lot of work. Um, and for those who haven't, they come and, 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 and talk to me and ask, you know, how can I start one up or how do I know what I want in a relationship? What am I looking for? Um, am I doing this right? So it's really something, uh, you know, very broad that people come to you for advice on. The list goes
1: on. Yeah, there's so many things, I mean, people seem to struggle with when it comes to relationships. And um, what are your ways of guiding someone through their problems? What, what are some of the best ways of doing that?
2: Really asking them a ton of questions, you know, to better get to know, you know, the client. And what they're seeking, I need to first, you know, understand the core of why they're there. And to get to that point, I you have to ask all the right questions to really understand where they're at and to help them understand where they're at and what they want from that session.
1: So it seems like a lot of working through um, their thought processes. So do you help guide them? I know coaching is a lot like that. Do you think? Who do you think needs a relationship coach? At what stage of a relationship or any stage?
2: Honestly, I feel like if you, you know, can afford it, everyone should make it a priority, Um, such as even just therapy, you know, separate from coaching, right? Coaching is more, you know, positive in nature, more personable, therapy is is less personable although you're being very intimate in terms of the information that you're sh- sharing with your therapist I recommend everyone to go seek therapy regardless of where they're at what they've been through or haven't been through life and I recommend anyone who wants to get into a relationship or is in one to see a relationship coach
1: I think I would agree and, and that's what we're trying to build that I'm even trying to Move people towards chips and providing relationship coaching. So, Rahma, can you tell us a little bit about the science of relationships? What do you think is important to know? Attachment styles? Uh, what are you? I
2: am so sorry. So, you are cutting off.
1: Okay. Yeah. No, sorry. I was saying, um, can you tell everyone about attachment styles and love languages? Are they important? That things you should know in a relationship?
2: Absolutely. It's like, the organs and the heart and the lungs to a relationship, the uh, the uh, attachment styles and the five love languages. Um, I recommend everyone to study upon both of those, and if you're already in a relationship, to have your partner study upon that as well if they haven't already. And if you're not in one and you're sort of dating and trying to get to know someone, to ask those questions because. Believe it or not, it makes a big difference in how compatible you're going to be with your partner and the success of that relationship.
1: Rama, I want to know, what's your attachment style? What's your love language?
2: (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, you know, growing up, um, I believe I had a, say, disorganized attachment style, which is a mix of both avoidant and anxious. Um, and of course that comes from, from my childhood experiences and that's something I've worked on growing up in my adulthood to get to a more secure attached attachment style. And, and I'm, I'm still currently working on that. That's going to be a, a entire life type of thing. And most people, you know, should aim to get to that secure attachment style. That's the goal.
1: So you actually worked on your attachment style. So, oh yes,
2: very actively, very actively. So it's previously, a lot of work into.
1: So previously, what what did that mean? That attachment style. What were some of the the unhealthy traits or the healthy traits?
2: So, uh, unhealthy traits in a, a uh, an anxious attachment style and, and a dis in a in an avoidant. Is that what you're asking? Yep. 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 Yeah, so you know, um, in a nutshell, uh anxious attachment style. it's not good to always be anxious. Um and that can manifest in a in a negative way at times because if you're particularly with an avoidant partner and you're very anxious, it could push your avoidant partner away or you're gonna feel emotionally dissatisfied and and that's gonna cause you more anxiety and more insecurity. As far as if you were an avoidant, um, you'd also feel like you're being smothered by your anxious partner, and in return, you know, she's going to cause this, this, this pull, like this back and forth, push and pull of, I'm not heard, I'm not understood, I feel so unsatisfied right now. And that's going to cause resentment. So you want to make sure you're with someone who, you know, complements your attachment style. And um, some studies show that when an anxious person is with an anxious person, it kind of helps better than being with an anxious avoidant type of combo relationship. And those are very common. Believe it or not, a lot of people are kind of magnetized towards the opposite, which is ironic since usually those become very toxic and dysfunctional.
1: Yeah, that's Uh, super useful to know.
2: Yeah, and if you were with an avoidant, you're an avoidant yourself. kind of works out better than if you were with someone who is more anxious. But again, the ultimate goal is for both the avoidant and the anxious person to get to a secure attachment style because you don't want to be on any opposite end of the spectrum.
1: And that can be difficult and cause a lot of relationship problems. And love languages, Rahma, what is your love language?
2: My love language, you know, all five. Yeah, I oh, five. five. I
1: Everyone could answer that.
2: that five. <laughs> you know, um, and it's interesting because it kind of really depends on are we speaking romantic? Are we speaking platonic? Um, if we're speaking romantic, uh, I think one of my favorites is words of affirmation, physical touch, You know, I always battle between going back and forth between the two. It just kind of depends on the day or what I'm getting less of or what I need more of that day and and vice versa. But, again, all five. You need all five (laughs) to have a healthy, balanced-out relationship.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I would say my definitely is um, words of affirmation. But, yeah, I need all of them. But um,
2: yeah. And that's, that's funny. So if you were with someone whose love language was number one words of affirmation and yours was, you both really truly understand each other and you'll fulfill, you know, that, that want or need in that relationship.
1: Yeah. And that works best. Right. And I think when you don't know that about your partner, you might not provide that. Um, So moving from that, let's talk a little bit about, so we've done a lot of shows together and, what have you learned from interacting with, you know, the audience or people about what people are looking for these days? And are there any kind of green and red flags that you think through when considering someone seriously?
2: I think what a lot of people are looking for nowadays is consistency, you know, communication, no ghosting, especially with all the dating apps out there right now, there's a lot of that because there's just so many options and people get comfortable and people think the grass is more green on the other side. So people really just want someone who would respect their time and, and, and vice versa. Um, I think that's one of the major challenges right now is to really just keep a hold of someone. And a refresh in my memory, what was your second question?
1: what do you think are green flags or red flags in in people?
2: So would this be in the beginning stages of a relationship or are they already?
1: I think, yeah, I think the beginning stages.
2: So with the beginning stages, you know, there's so many. Um, Number one, you truly really just want to make sure that before you fully invest in a relationship, to be aware of your traumas and your triggers and hope that the person you're speaking with is also aware of their traumas and their triggers because that could negatively impact a relationship if you're not very self-aware and you're not actively trying to heal from whatever past traumas you've had. Um, and, and to really know if someone is in the process of, of developing themselves further You have to kind of see their behavior, their reactions, the words. Everything has to really kind of align because you don't want to end up with someone with narcissistic traits, especially if they're unaware of those narcissistic traits. Sometimes, you know, most people do have like a narcissistic trait or two. The difference between someone who is healthy mentally and whole and healed and with a narcissistic trait versus someone with narcissistic traits that aren't is those people are aware and they're actively trying to pursue healing in that area of their character and their personality. So number one thing would really be like, is this person healed, you know, or are they trying to heal? Cause again, healing is an entire life thing. It's an entire life journey. It's a forever, process so you just want to make sure they're at least aware of you know their shortcomings or open to hearing about their shortcomings I think that, that that's one of the most important things really
1: I, I think a narcissism especially what you've touched upon so many people fall into relationships with the other partners narcissistic and that becomes a huge huge problem and I think you're sharing that is super useful for people who might have to look out for those type of traits because those people can be very charming, right? Rahma, you can really fall for that. I mean, in terms of charisma and all of that.
2: Yep. They're extremely charming and they're really good at mirroring you to a point where you're like, wow, like I really like this person because they mirror your good qualities. So they kind of deceive you through that. And, you know, you really want to watch out. Like you're talking about red flags, love bombing if someone is too much too soon or too pushy you know that's a red flag and you know someone that's not transparent or very secretive um and not fully open and vulnerable those are other red flags but we can talk about red flags for life but some some (laughs) green flags are of course opposite of that you know they're very open and vulnerable and they're taking their time, getting to know you, but not so much time where you feel kind of disrespected, like not, your time is not being, you know, valued. Um, these are just very quick couple of surface level green and red flags. But yeah, there's, 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 narcissism is very high in this day and age. And that's why that's one of the things I put to the forefront because it, it is very prevalent nowadays.
1: I would 100% agree. And Ram, I'm going to ask you something controversial, so I hope you're ready for it. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's,
2: let's, what let's, are your let's thoughts? how ready I am.
1: <laughs> this is actually one of the questions or app that Anand put in. What are your thoughts on gender roles? Do you think in this day and age, gender roles should exist to an extent in terms of um, roles and responsibilities in a relationship a man has and a woman has, husband and wife, or even with things like childcare, et cetera, can they be split evenly or, you know, certain responsibilities you expect the dad to do and certain expectations you the mother to do. And similarly, husband and wife, what, what are your thoughts on that?
2: Really depends who you're asking, right? You know, if you're asking me from a Muslim American perspective, yeah, that's what I you know want. <laughs>
1: I want yeah, okay. perspective.
2: So from a Muslim American perspective, I know personally, my rights as a woman and I know, you know, the man's rights in Islam. So that's something that I think everyone should honor as far as, you know, nowadays, a woman working and having an education, but also us being the only ones who could, you know, give birth and, 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 and milk a baby, you know, a man can never do that. And at the end of the day, women are women men are men. We have different bodies, different ones, different needs, and if each partner could, could kind of cater to that, try to at least inform themselves or educate themselves on the, their, their partner the opposite gender. One good book is um, Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus. That sort of kind of helps, uh, you know, get you to understand how men work and how women work. Um, but apart from that, you know, it's more a personal decision between two partners. And as long as the other partner doesn't feel un- like there's something unfair and you know, in the roles and responsibilities, it should be fine. I mean, if the woman is working and the man is also working, but the woman here is also pregnant and has to like also breastfeed throughout the night and the man is kind of sleeping, you know, he can help out in, in, in other ways, of course, to balance that out. Um, and if the, if the man wants to stay at home and raise the kids and the woman wants to work, I mean, that's that's up to the couple, you know. There's no judgment in, in how people decide they end up wanting to, to perform these roles and how they want to split them. Because at the end of the day, if both husband and wife are are satisfied, it shouldn't really matter whose role is what.
1: I like that. That's a really good answer. So do you think these topics should be discussed pre-marriage? So should you iron these things out at that point?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, these are one of the major things that should be discussed. You know, like, hey, what do you expect uh, in terms of? Who works, who doesn't, do we both work, who provides, who stays on with the kids and raises them throughout the day while, you know, they may be at, the other partner may be at work. These are very important questions. It's kind of built the foundation of, you know, the direction a relationship will take.
1: You're absolutely right. And I think if you don't discuss them, you can get into trouble with expectations later on. So how do you navigate? Say husband says they don't want to do A, responsibility, but they say, okay, we'll do B. Is that something that's really random? For example, the the husband is like, okay, I can't change diapers, but I'll do this and I'll do the cleaning or something else, right? And you don't have to do that. Is that something that is decided by the couple? Do you think that's fair to say beforehand or... Um, should both people be willing to do everything?
2: I think just as human beings individually, everyone should aim to be very well-rounded human beings, right? Whether you're, you know, married or not. But particularly if you become a parent, you know, you want to make sure that you are well-rounded in parenting, that you know how to do things and not just rely on your partner because, your partner could be very sick that day. Who's going to clean the baby's diaper? You know, like, so I would say everyone really try to aim to do their best to get out of their comfort zone a little bit, especially when it comes to a child. Um, but again, you know, if two partners agree like, you know what, I can compromise on this. Then so be it.
1: I think that's a really good approach because, Rahma, we, you know, sometimes in our cultures, like, obviously, America, UK is different, but if you look back to, you know, the Middle East, Central Asia, Pakistan, Afghanistan, there are very um, specific gender roles at times, right? And obviously, all the women don't work and then the men work and then they expect that from the women. And now, in modern societies, women are working and it's up to, you know, the couples decide all these things. But sometimes what I see is that those gender role problems seem to become, um, big um argument points and where things stop working out because uh people just have different expectations so i think you're absolutely right having a checklist of expectations before you get into something super important so the other person doesn't just assume right i think assumptions are the worst what do you think I think assuming something never does anyone favors
2: absolutely and i think some people don't want to ask those tough questions because out of fear of oh, you know I really don't want to hear the answer to this because I really like this person. Uh, I don't want it to go downhill or I don't want them to give up on us. Um, you know, after I kind of speak up what my expectations would be, because at the end of the day, you know, you're going to be your worst enemy. If you don't speak your truth, your wants, your needs, your expectations. Um, and you also don't want to mirror again, your partners wants, these and expectations, because you're going to be unhappy in the long run. If you have to fake this thing, you know, that you promise but you can't, you know, fulfill, both partners will end up being unhappy and you really want to protect, you know, the outcome of your future by having these conversations. These truthful and, you know, um brutal conversations.
1: Yeah, it makes life a lot easier. And and then same with I guess we look at compatibility in terms of people's like you know political religious beliefs and views, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that should be also discussed? They can always be contentious at times. um And is that something that's fair to discuss? Is it fair to be like I religiously expect this, this is because I also do this, this, this. For example, let's take let's take smoking, right? So <laughs> me being a health fanatic, a doctor, like I'm like okay. I can't be with someone who smokes, right? Now, I know socially, a lot of people, for example, do shisha, right? And that's something that's commonly done. A lot of my friends do it as well. But, for example, for myself, my wife, I wouldn't want her to do that. So would it be fair to me to say, like, look, I expect you to not do that? You know, like, is that something you think it's fair or not fair?
2: I would say it becomes fair if the person you're asking, you know, is okay with stopping it to keep you happy. Um, but again, you don't want to get yourself into a relationship with someone who has to, you know, take away a part of what they do that makes them happy to make you happy. But, you know, again, relationships are compromising left and right. So it really just depends if this thing you're asking them to do or not do is truly and deeply affecting their level of happiness in the relationship or not, you know? So if you're in the dating process and you talk to someone and they smoke shisha and you tell them, you know, I don't do it and and I expect my partner not to do it, but the person you're talking to does, and that's an opportunity for you to kind of a delve a little bit deeper into the topic to see if there's any possibility that your relationship would be successful if they were to stop and make that compromise for the both of you or would it cause years of resentment where it'll push the both of you away. You know, so it becomes fair when it feels fair for both partners. It can it can be unfair if you're already in the relationship And they've mentioned, like, this is not something I'm going to stop. This is something I'm going to be doing every now and then with my friends, et cetera. And you tell them, well, I don't want you to do it. You know, that's when it might be a little fair because they've already communicated with you. This is not something I'll compromise.
1: Rahma, I've loved talking to you about these uh, topics. (laughs) I think this has been a very genuine question. And I think... um, uh this is what I think people find really interesting to find out because the things that come up again and again, and some people don't foresee these things. And often you're wondering, what would I do? What would someone else do? And I think thinking through them, and I think you've explained them really well, a very balanced approach of thinking from all perspectives and then coming to a conclusion and considering your partner and everything as well, right? Like you said, keeping the other person, if it's something that makes them happy not thinking about that, how will it affect them? So. I guess finally, as we're rounding off the show, we've got a few minutes left, Rahma. Um, I think relationships can be difficult, can be hard finding the right person. And at my startup, we're trying to help people maintain relationships and improve themselves. And therefore, they can be in a healthier, happier relationship. And that hopefully improves their mental health as well. Because we know the person we pick is detrimental to our behavior and our mental health.
2: Absolutely.
1: So, with that, we're saying have the hard talk. Don't shy away from it. Right? Don't try and change someone. Um, Do you think people can change though? Do you think genuinely people change, or is it temporary? What are your thoughts?
2: Believe at the core, at the core of who someone really is, it is very challenging to change that core of somebody else's core. However, progress, improvement, refining a personality trait, characteristic, those are all possible. Um, you just really have to see the foundation of who this person is and be okay with that foundation. If you're okay with that foundation and you know there's imperfections above that foundation, those things could be worked on. The foundation itself, you have to be pretty overall happy with with this person's foundation before you try to move forward with getting to know them on a deeper
1: level. I love the answer to the round of Rama. Rama, thank you so much uh, for coming on. I actually want to start a relationship with Rama again on Clubhouse, <laughs> hopefully soon. Uh, they will fund those rooms.
2: Yeah. Um, it's been, I think, a year since we haven't. Half has been a them.
1: year already. Well, we'll get them started, hopefully. Maybe we can do them twice a month or something like that. Something that fits your lifestyle. That's so so, uh, something that's sustainable. But Rahma, where can people that's follow good. you? Where can they reach out to you? Can you please share that?
2: Sure. Uh, Girl Eating Global or just my name, Rahma Polpal on Instagram, Rahma Polpal on Clubhouse and rahma popel on this new
1: app that i just downloaded <laughs> today call it <laughs> yep, yep. i'm always getting people on new apps <laughs> um, this has been brilliant rahma thank you everyone for listening in yeah, this podcast will be available on spotify and apple This it's episode number 22 of the human behavior show that I launched about a month ago so we're going pretty quickly and rahma i really appreciate you being here and hope to catch up with you pretty soon
2: it was a pleasure thanks for having me
1: and take care everyone bye